Hello and welcome to Our Three Cents, a podcast celebrating the very finest video games. My name is Jonathan Dunn and I'm joined by my childhood friend, Chris Dow. A Mr. Bean solar-powered bobblehead. And my adulthood friend, all the way from the States, Minty Booth. Yeehaw! And we're discussing <laughs> our all-time top 100 video games. This week, we have our number 66s. But before we do that, it's time to rub me the right way like a genie in a bottle. A notion made famous by Quistina Aguilera. <laughs> yeah, okay, that's, that's fine. <laughs> so the score is currently 16-15 in favour of Chris. Mortal Kombat was famed for its unique graphics and over-the-top gore. To knock an enemy into the pit... Players had to perform which move? Uppercut. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Chris is straight in there. Get yes. over here. <laughs> One more point. I heard him say. Well done, Chris. So, what have we been playing this week, Chris? Christopher, I've played a pair of games by a company called Onion Games. Did they make you cry? Both on the Switch, but I think they predominantly used to make mobile stuff. It's a studio that makes really quirky games. I picked up a game called Blackbird that they made in, in the Switch sale a couple of weeks back. And it's a really good like multi-directional shoot-em-up, a bit like kind of Fantasy Zone, going right back to kind of like the Master System era, or even like the arcade game Defender. But it kind of differentiates itself from being a, a, a straight shoot-em-up by having really, really beautiful sprite work. And it's it's the kind of like background detail in it that the old, say, like Metal Slug games had. I remember when I used to get the Sega Saturn magazine back back when I was a kid. Oh, yeah. That was the stuff they'd always, like, pour over, like these little details, like, oh, a little enemy pokes his head out of a window, stuff like that, in the background. And it's it's really lovely to see that sort of tradition still carried on in, in kind of 2D sprite-based games. Yeah. It's, it's only got four stages. It's quite like a brisk game. But each one has these little visual treats that, that really rewards kind of repeat play. And I've, I've played it through a fair few times already. It's got a really nice scoring system. It's got really good musical score as well with a weird sort of mumbling, almost operatic vocal style going through the whole game, which is really unique as well. It's, it's really cool. It's, it's really weird, really cool. I, I would definitely recommend picking it up and having a play. Their other game, uh, also on the Switch, is called Dandy Dungeon, which recently migrated from mobile to Switch. And in that process, lost kind of the free-to-play monetization stuff that it had in the original release. And just like we talked about with New Star Manager when we were playing that for a few weeks, it's infinitely better for not having that kind of like gated play. Sure. So again, one, I think you'd both probably quite enjoy this. It's like an RPG sort of dungeon crawler. You could say there's elements of like roguelike stuff in the the way that you, you replay stages and kind of find new things each time. But again, just like Blackbird, it's just really weird it's really full of heart. It's got really genuinely unique, likable characters. And it's really deep as well. Like I've, I've played for three or four hours and I feel I've, I've barely really scratched the surface of like the, the dungeon system or the crafting system or the kind of like uh, gear synthesis type, type stuff that goes with it. So there's some really good stuff in there. Uh, and I'm looking forward to whatever they might put out in the future. How lovely. Speaking of Nintendo eShop purchases, I have been playing Super Hot this last week. Ooh. Oh, yes. I haven't played it before and... I was quite excited to see that it was coming to the Switch. I thought this was my opportunity to play it. My only experience has been playing Superhot VR, which was one of my early entries in my list, which I absolutely loved. 99, I believe. It may well have been. 
It was. <laughs> it, it is. But I've had a fantastic time with this. Rightly so. It's very, very different to the VR game. It's not the same game and, you know, all the better for it. I had a fantastic time. I think that it could be my gateway to enjoying first-person shooters on consoles. Oh, that's, that's a big step. It is. It is. Because you can sort of take it at your own pace. You know, you can stop and consider not just what the controls are, but what you need to do next. Yeah. And uh, and I liked that. Although I must say that when I went back to playing Doom and I realised <laughs> I couldn't just stand still to consider what I was doing when a demon flung a fireball at me, that was a bit um, that was a bit jarring. But yeah, I had a fantastic time with Super Hot. I've finished the main game now. I really, really liked the interface and the way that you interacted with the game. I think that it's really wrapped up very, very cleverly. Just just excellent kind of attention to detail in, in how it's sort of built. And yeah, I really enjoyed that. The actual mechanics of the game, great fun. Occasionally frustrating, but like I always say, it, it wasn't unfair. <laughs> and a little bit of trial and error and repeated uh, progress meant that, yeah, I got through all the stages. There's there's a ton of extra stuff in terms of like challenge modes and speed run things and endless modes and stuff like that that I'll probably jump into at some point when I fancy playing it again. Minty, what have you been playing? I can't remember where I left off from the last episode, but I've completed my first playthrough of Fire Emblem, Ooh. Three Houses. So that was very much a, a Fire Emblem game that I played. I don't know <laughs> if I've said this on the podcast, but the final level did sort of intimidate me a bit because it was nothing but it was nothing but the big beasts. And I was like, oh they're quite hard to beat so and of course the final boss was the biggest beast but i did it and i started the demo for dragon quest 11 which i'm having a lovely time with it's a big demo i've heard yeah yeah it's just a very good and solid game at the moment and i was immediately sucked in by the uh, liberal inclusion of a lovely big dog. <laughs> oh, always good. Mm. Enough procrastinating. Let's get on with the podcastinating. Moving on to the rankings. Starting this week, we have Monsieur Beuth. Please, can you tell us, Minty, what your 66th favourite video game of all time is, please? I've gone on record in this very podcast saying that a story in a video game doesn't need to be some kind of grand tale that has you preventing literal annihilation all the time, so long as it's good and the characters are well-written. Fantasy Life being a great example from a couple months ago. Well, today's game is the opposite of that. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a prevent-the-end-of-the-world premise with paper-thin characters that basically act as begin mission markers, vendors, and the go button for machinery that lets you upgrade things. I think growing up with an N64 has meant I've developed Stockholm Syndrome for collectathon games. <laughs> uh, you want me to collect 100 coins in a level, Mario? Say no more, I'll go get my purse. <laughs> <laughs> What's that, Rare? You want me to collect 100 coloured bananas five times per level amongst hundreds of other things? All right, I'll go get my fruit purse. <laughs> <laughs> ring, ring. Oh, one second. Hello? Yes, this is he. Who's calling, please? Gung-ho entertainment. You want me to collect puzzle pieces of varying size to unlock an enormous bestiary of monsters, train them up using monster eggs and weird little cubes of in-game currency to fight stronger monsters in an ever-growing world to fight off a world-ending threat? All right, I'll go find my puzzle purse. <laughs> I was very excited for Puzzle and Dragons Z when I first saw it in a Nintendo Direct a few years ago. 
it was one of those nice little games that you can play on the bus to work. It was like Bejeweled, but instead of just switching one orb, you would like you put your stylus on one and drag it all over the game board in whatever wiggly pattern you would like. And if you were good, you could use it knocking different orbs into different lines to rack up like huge, huge combos. And each monster that was in your team was one of five colours, and their stats determined how much damage a match did of their colour, or how much damage you took from your opponent. Each monster could evolve into a few different monsters, which had that nice sort of Tamagotchi vibe, where if you didn't clean up a Tamagotchi's poo, it would turn into the poo monster and stuff like that. If you did it well, it would become Bill. So it's kind of like that, and that nice sort of branching aspect, which kept me playing, even when I finished the extremely weak, I have to say, story. The final boss, I remember, was absolutely awful, though, because it was one of those ones where... You have to like take out four or five appendages to drop its shield and then deal damage to it. But then they would regenerate, so you have to keep going through um, doing that every couple of turns. It's It stinks. Uh, about halfway through the post-game now, and it's basically just New Game Plus, but everything is just so tanky and so got so much health. It's just a real slog, and I'm struggling to care about finishing it, which is a shame. Sorry to hear that, Minty. Yes, thank you. <laughs> This particular game was also bundled with uh, the exact same game, but with like a Super Mario skin on it. So instead of training up monsters with names like Blackbeard, the Deluge Dragon, you had thing like uh, Goomba, <laughs> which you could then evolve into two Goombas, or a Koopa Trooper that could then evolve into Koopa Trooper riding a fish. So there we go. Puzzle and Dragon Z. Nice game to play, but I couldn't tell you what it was about. <laughs> was the um the super mario skin is it literally the same game because that's the only version i played i, n- I never played the uh, the actual puzzle and dragons version no so it's it's still like a linear world map with with like different stages and then each stage had like a branching path as well so you could be like oh do you want to go left well match three red do you want to go right match three blue and then depending on which path you took, you'd fight different monsters or collect different treasure. So it was basically the same premise. Yeah. But instead of collecting like real monsters, you would collect things like, yeah, like things like Goombas and yeah. a piranha plant here and there. Moving on. Chris, can you please tell us about your 66th favourite video game? Marble Madness, Super Monkey Ball, Marble Blast. The lineage of ball rolling games is actually quite storied, isn't it? There's a, there's a fair few games about just like tipping a ball around. But one game series stands out for me. Brutal Legend. <laughs> is that just because... Oh no, sorry. Uh, Rock of Ages. <laughs> <laughs> some, some deep, minty, misremembering lore. <laughs> but what one game series kind of stands out for me more in terms of the, the ball rolling genre, just by way of kind of how unique it is in, in concept, in how it controls, in, in just the aesthetic of the whole thing. And that is the Katamari series. Mm. The first one I played properly uh, was Beautiful Katamari. And that's the one I've chosen for this list, which is the Xbox 360 exclusive version. But they're all much of a muchness, really. Like there's there's different stages in them or, or the premise might be slightly different. But the, the core mechanic really hasn't changed across like the six, seven games has been. So for anyone who is, is listening to this and putting a bit of a puzzled face, as to what exactly Katamari is or, or what it does. Um, I'll try and explain you know, the best I can. So in, in each game, you take the role of a character called the Prince, who is the child of the King of All Cosmos. 
And your job is to roll a katamari, which is a small sort of sticky object, around a stage, collecting objects of a similar size to that katamari to expand the lump so as to be able to collect bigger objects and then bigger objects, etc., etc., until you have a humongous thing that you're just kind of tipping around the level so you you start off at a size where you're picking up say like stationery or little bits of food or cutlery you move up to start picking up kind of like small bits of furniture or like household pets eventually like people and vehicles then onwards to sort of like whole buildings street architecture monuments and statues and then eventually you're at the size where you're picking up whole land masses you're you're rolling up weather systems then planets galaxies it just kind of goes on and on and on And what I really like about that process in itself, which obviously is like the core of of the Katamari games, is that every stage has a real sense of tangible progression because you you see it in real time getting bigger. You see the things you you kind of stick to the ball rolling with it. It's it's kind of a very visual, literal thing of whatever you've hit is then part of your your rolling Katamari and what will grow with it. So yeah, it's a game that, like Minty said about like collectathons. It is essentially a game about collection, but it's a game about collection that you you are more in control of what you're picking up, I suppose, as you go. If you've not played it again, you move using like dual analog tank controls. So if you push both sticks forwards, you're going to move straight, one forward and one back, you're going to turn in that direction, etc. And although it has like a real early learning curve, I remember being really annoyed playing it for the first time on the 360. It's remarkable how quickly you become quite adept being able to kind of like maneuver around the stages and becoming very kind of deliberate in what you're choosing to pick up as opposed to when you start and it's just whatever hits you great I'll take it and that's that because certain challenges do ask you to pick up like objects of a certain type or or kind of like within a certain genre I suppose of of items so it might be just just living things or just things of a certain color or whatever the designer the Japanese designer uh, called Kita Takahashi once said the game is kind of based loosely around the idea of our relationship as humans with stuff and it's meant to carry a sort of like anti-consumerist message but it's all presented in such a like a gleeful primary colored way that it remains a genuinely appealing game despite it having this kind of like darker subject behind it and it's it's just a real joy to play like it totally ignoring that as as a concept of something that it's meant to be kind of discussing or being about it's just fun to move around and pick stuff up it's a, it's a really simple pleasure in that sense most people if they have heard of it kind of have an idea that yeah it's this brightly colored thing you're you're pushing stuff around but it also has a fantastic like j-pop and j-rock soundtrack really varied like a whole whole smattering of genres within that that it really kind of tests and explores and it's not that dissimilar really like when i was talking about the, the onion games titles earlier it has a similar sense of kind of just like playfulness to the way it's put together like the aesthetics the whole thing are, are really really nice i love the way it's got a really actually surprisingly deep sort of relationship between your character the prince and his father the, the king who is almost like borderline abusive in how he's just constantly fucking up and then asking his son to sort things out so most most games are about like his dad destroying all the planets in the universe and you having to roll up new katamari to replace them or, or other kind of like massive celestial problems that, that he's messed up that you you just feel like you have to sort out as like a familial or even like royal expectation or tradition but the thing i love the most and, and the thing that kind of really you know comes to mind as soon as i think about katamari is that it's got what's called a collection mode so anything you roll up any item no matter how inconsequential it might seem all of them are logged in this kind of like collection mode and i've said before like when we talked about xenoblade we've touched upon it on things like breath of the wild anything that has this idea of there's a book and there's pages that you fill in 
<laughs> like that will draw me in more than a main game sometimes the idea that I'm just collecting stuff to fill in a page and what's really nice about the, the objects in all the Katamari games like from the very first one through to whatever the most recent release is is that no matter how small the thing is all of them has like a little mini paragraph of flavor text written about it oh, I love that it's the type of job I would love to have like if I was ever into sort of like a position <laughs> where I was a games writer I'd love this idea of just like making up these little micro stories about different bicycles or, or mice or pencil erasers, you know, whatever you've picked up, someone's had to sit down and just like say something mildly humorous about it. And it's, it's so unnecessary, but it represents so much of what I really love about this series. And it, it's again, this idea of having like a real heart to it. You know, there's this text for no reason other than it's kind of just fun to read when you've got a few minutes. I just really love games that are willing to be a bit different. And I think if you go through my list, I've, I've got kind of the very gamey games that I mentioned before, like the Mega Drive games, where it's like all kind of like big explosive action. But there's a lot of these weird games that are just a bit different. And that's not different in the sense that, say, like Red Dead Redemption, your feet are going to get frostbite if you spend too much time in the snow. Like that, that's not the kind of different that really interests me. It's not like hyper-realism. <laughs> it's, it's more the idea that, okay, we've given each of these bits of furniture that you're going to roll up their own unique sound effect when you collect them. <laughs> like it's, it's not necessary, but it, <laughs> but it gives it such like taste and flavor that it just becomes something that you will always remember far more than, like I said, in Red Dead, if it's like, well, I, I got the sniffles because I walked across this big tundra. It's, it's just different. It's, it's a different sort of game. And yeah, I, I really love weird games. And I, I think Katamari is maybe one of the strangest games ever made, but it's, it's fantastic. And if anyone has a hankering for a, a rolling-based game, having uh, you know got through the whole pantheon that we mentioned earlier, uh, I think this is one that's worth playing. Nice. I, I, I just absolutely love the concept, hated the control system, <laughs> yeah. and didn't quite <laughs> have the uh, resilience to, uh, to sort of push through that, um, that barrier, which I, I, I do regret because it's in every way a game that I would love. It's yeah. so silly. It looks really fun. And you roll around with stuff, which, <laughs> you know, we all know I love to do. Yeah. I mean, if you ever see it cheap, it's it's on the Switch, the original release, now got a remaster. Yeah. And maybe if it drops to like a 10, 15 quid one day, try, try picking it up again and seeing if you get on with it any better. So, lastly, we do have my game, which is a game that has already been mentioned by one of my sentient brethren. Who? And it was a game that I was thrilled to learn had been enjoyed so much by him, as it is a game that we predominantly did play together. And the game is Rayman Legends, and the Brethren is Minty. It was me. I remember that. Yeah. I'm going to backtrack a little bit and talk about just how thrilled I was when Ubisoft announced they were returning to their original Rayman setup and design with Rayman Origins in 2011. So in 2011, when Ubisoft announced that they were returning to their original Rayman setup and design with Rayman Origins, I was very thrilled. The Rayman series has made several whiplash-inducing shifts that I was not (laughs) in favour of. The original Rayman game is one that I will talk about at a future date, so needless to say, I thought it was pretty wonderful. And then... They did the late 90s expected move into 3D because everyone else was doing it. And Rayman 2, The Great Escape or something like that on the N64. And then a further 3D sequel, Rayman 3, Hoodlum Havoc. But I can tell you, the only hoodlums I could see causing havoc were the clowns that announced, after a few years' silence, Rayman Raving Rabbids on the Wii. And... 
at the time, I was really excited about it until I saw what it was <laughs> and the minion-esque rage that those characters would send me into left me to despair that the true essence of the Rayman series was lost forever until, that is, one fateful day in 2011 Ooh. when they released Rayman Origins, which was classic 2D platforming, beautiful art style, great silky smooth comedic animation and I was as happy as a limbless helicopter head pig in shit (laughs) now rayman origins is not on my list and this is because whilst it was an absolutely superb game i felt that it was entirely superseded by rayman legends which not only had its own incredible game but also featured most of the origins levels as unlockables so i kind of feel that legends being on my list is as much origins being in here as well i'm certainly paying i'm certainly paying a lot of love to its <laughs> younger brother no older brother as it would work yes it would yeah. be I remember when Legends was first announced, it was announced as a Wii U exclusive that used the gamepad for a second person to control a helpful aid throughout the levels, and I was initially a bit miffed that they were messing with the formula of what made Rayman Origins so enjoyable for me, and also felt that they could be investing a bit too much attention in the gimmick of the Wii U gamepad. However, not only was it one of the best uses of the gamepad on the Wii U, probably one of only a few genuinely good uses of it but it was in fact the key to my central enjoyment of the game and that was that minty played through the whole game with me as my gamepad bound wingman helpfully swatting enemies or pulling switches or drawing tunnels through cakes it was an absolute joy as a cooperative experience and i think my favorite co-op experience in any game high praise i think what it did really well was it it didn't just say Okay, this is a co-op game, so you both just do the exact same things, but one of you's green. Yes. And but at the same time, it did. It wasn't just okay. You have the gimmicky peripheral, so you can do a gimmicky thing. Like I still felt as though I was contributing quite substantially, even though I wasn't actually controlling a character that was making any meaningful progress. It was a mm. really great, meaningful support role. I felt I was playing. It was lovely. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I felt that as well, because, I mean, you know, it's one thing being like, oh, can you come and play this game with me? Because you're just you having being there is going to unlock something extra, but then I'm done with you. That's that's not what friendship is about. It's no, not what, not no. what friendship is about. And uh, yeah, this game was entirely around that. It was the levels were designed with that in mind. So I mentioned before in an episode when we spoke about how awful underwater levels were (laughs) that there was one game that I considered an exception to this. And this is it. This is the game. Ah. So those who have been listening for 39 episodes, (laughs) that has paid off because this is the big reveal. (laughs) And... uh, One of the biggest problems, I think, with water levels is that your controls become severely altered to mirror buoyancy and water resistance and all the boring stuff that water does and the fact that you can't breathe under there. And this means that moving at speed and accuracy is often an infuriating challenge whilst your protagonist is drowning, and that's just sad. And this is where Rayman Legends got 
it really right so not only did it say well it's not fun if you can't breathe underwater so you can breathe underwater how doesn't matter you can (laughs) and also the underwater levels were designed as stealth levels so you didn't have to worry about doing these crazy maneuvers and or you know trying to figure out actually if you don't press jump right now you're gonna jump up and swim through the water or if that's a dive button or anything like that you're able to carefully plan your moves take your time strike when the time was right and being able to tackle underwater levels like this was absolutely perfect it totally solved the problem so well done michelle ansel well done that man there one of the most outstanding things in the game was the way that it included music in the game it was oh. an absolute stroke of brilliance and it stepped it up several gears from what it did in origins and even though i had initial disappointment that the ambient evocative soundscapes of the original rayman had been traded in for a bluegrass tinged air quotes fun soundtrack <laughs> who wants that <laughs> it wants fun the music in the game absolutely matched the action and the comedy and the animation so well that it was just a joy and then you had the specifically designed music levels in rayman legends oh yes and they are among some of the most fun and brilliantly designed platforming levels i've ever seen so they were essentially bonus levels that you would unlock at the end of a world and you basically had to run through a level at full pelt avoiding obstacles navigating platforming perils and killing enemies all of which had to be done in perfect time to a brilliantly rayman bluegrassy remixed version of a famous song or piece of music the result of which was a perfect mix of platforming guitar hero and baby driver that i've never (laughs) seen done before (laughs) and i've only seen touched on recently in some of the more creative music levels that have been done in stuff like mario maker yeah and thinking about it actually i think it even predated baby driver it definitely did so i don't know if Edgar Wright has cited this as a direct reference, but if he hasn't, Michelle Ansel, maybe maybe give him a call. Or don't. I don't care. It's not my intellectual property. <laughs> so, not to end on a dull note, and I did mention this in an earlier episode. When I played through Rayman Legends again earlier this year, I played through it as a solo experience on the Switch. And whilst it was still an incredibly tight platformer with superb visuals, those, you know, amazing music levels and just a huge, huge load of content. When I was playing it, I did wonder whether or not I was right in placing it this high up in my list as I wasn't as bowled over by it as I initially was. And then I realised that I was just having a surprisingly less enjoyable time without having Minty playing it with me. And whilst the secondary character was there, being controlled by an AI, it was, I mean, not a patch on the original experience of me and you sitting down, cracking open a massive tub of ice cream, (laughs) eating our way through it, and having a wonderful time. And I tell you what, if we weren't separated right now by 4,649 miles, I'd give you a hug. Aww.
Did you ever play any of the mobile games? Yes, I played the first two, Jungle Run and Fiesta something. Absolutely amazing. Then they went free to play. And yep. And and there was just a bit too much stuff in there in order to make it work as a free to play. You had like things that you could hatch and grow and and it was just like oh it just it was too much going on that i was really annoyed i was really annoyed about that because those first two mobile games were absolutely brilliant yeah they're fantastic i mean really really well designed What, what i think is interesting is like playing um rayman legends not that long ago i was thinking like it's it's probably one of the best straight 2d platformers outside of mario yeah like it controls really well it's, it's got so much to it but in terms of mobile games jungle run and fiesta run predated mario run yeah and then mario run essentially copied copied their mechanics yeah and it, and it shows what works as a platform game on a mobile that you, you don't have like a digital d-pad or anything like that it was just one touch yeah makes you jump off the wall or, or leap or vault objects or whatever and and it works really really well yeah back in the day especially around the original game on like the saturn and the playstation that was sort of like a, a B-tier platform game, like after, say, Mario and Sonic as the, the big properties. But I think these days, they, yeah. they really are up there with each other. Yeah. It's a fantastic series. And outside of the Rabbids games, although, you know, Kingdom Battle is an exception, outside of the core Rabbids games, I think the, the Rayman line is, is really, really strong. So there we go. We've had another three games. Our 66th favourite video games. Firstly, we had from Minty... Cyphers and Wyverns, Omega. Then we had... Beautiful Katamari. And then we had Rayman Legends. Yep. If you've enjoyed this episode, or if indeed you've enjoyed any of our episodes, do please leave a review, five stars preferably. Tell us what you like, tell us what you don't like, why not? Maybe not publicly. Send that to us (laughs) privately. No, don't. You can find us on Facebook if you search for Our Three Cents. We're there. You can post some messages on our thing that's a a bit on the stuff and we could even answer one of your questions if you like on a future episode or you can reach out to us individually you can find me on twitter at jonathan dunn you can find me at chaz underscore hodges oh if you're so inclined you can find me at minty booth and please do join us next week for our number 65s mini boss level